Alright friends, today we're going to try Battletech. Oh, welcome to the podcast, look, there's audio and let's play, yeah, yeah. If you listen to that, if you listen to this episode, I'm sure you, you know by now what the dealio is, right? Right? Obviously you must. It's taking a second to boot up. Today's milk is Rockstar Pure Zero Grape. This is the sugar-free version. I'm I'm not entirely sure I'm a fan. This was what they had in the vending machine. I wanted the grape thing and I'd had a grape soda, so we went with grape energy drink and um whew, I'm not a fan. Very low very low on the milkiness, very high on the gestalt, if you know what I mean. Mm, you feel that. I'm a little shocked that there's no startup music. Oh. Making me feel foolish. 2170. No, 2107. We see a long spaceship going off into space. This is Project Demos. It disappeared as some sort of hyper jump. Then 2116 at Tau Ceti 4, we see a bunch of little planes. Ah, Earth spreads out to Tau Ceti, and those planets spread out to everywhere. Humans are taking over the entire galaxy. Twenty-five seventy-one. Star League ratified. Ceremony honors something something. So this is some sort of interplanetary government. Very imperial seeming. Richard Cameron, sixth first lord. Twenty-seven sixty-five. We're seeing war and we're seeing giant battle mechs. Military response. We're seeing dozens, if not hundreds of years of interplanetary conflict centered around giant humanoid mecha. GDPR, updated privacy policy, hello, uh, privacy policy, whatever, I don't know. Welcome, Commander. Before you jump in, we want to let you know that Battletech uses Paradox accounts. Yeah, dismiss, I don't care. Alright, are we? Are these good levels? I think I'm looking at the little levels on OBS. It's looking like they're the right levels. Okay, so we have a campaign career skirmish. It looks like there's DLCs. I don't think that I've purchased the DLCs. The Battletech Season Pass includes Flashpoint, Urban Warfare, and Heavy Metal at a discounted price. Well, I don't... I haven't even played the base game yet. Um, and I could log into my Paradox account. I think I might have that from Crusader Kings or something. I don't know. So let's hit... Let's check settings. 
Let's see if there's any cool settings. Video settings. Ooh, this is good. Uh, enable unsupported resolutions. I like the idea of that checkbox. Quality. Let's set it from high to ultra. I'm going to hit save. All right, that's the only setting that I really care about. Um, the the animation style on this is not in... Um, uh, it doesn't look realistic in the sort of the rendered style that you'd see in like The Witcher or Call of Duty or whatever. Everything that I'm seeing on this title screen, it's like animating between scenes, is like the... Um, it's like the sort of comic book style where there's like hand-drawn mechs and backgrounds and people and they've all been layered on top of each other in sort of a semi-3D so that like as the camera shot moves they parallax around and they're like each their own little sort of sprite. Um, it's a very, very good comic book style. I, I highly... I want to, like, high praise to the artists that made this. All right. So Battletech is a game set in the future. It's a mech skirmish game. You have some mechs. They're on a little grid. The grid's in hexes. They shoot lasers at each other. Pew, pew! And uh, one side wins. As I mentioned earlier, campaign, career, and skirmish... I don't know what the difference is between campaign and career. I'm guessing skirmish is just one-off fights. I'm going to hit campaign... And, well, yeah, campaign and career both say new load continues. Skirmish has multiplayer, single player load in mech bay. So, campaign new. Play the Battletech campaign with default difficulty settings. Uh, custom campaign? Adjust game and difficulty settings to customize your play experience. We'll do a standard campaign. I don't know. The tooltip says when an attack destroys a location on a mech, any remaining damage from the attack transfers toward the mech center. Yeah, I was told that this is closer to the um, the board game in mechanics. I've spoken to one of the programmers on Discord, on one of the Rust programming discords. There is a programmer who worked on this game, and they said that the secret to shipping a good game is to ask your players at the start of the game what their pronouns are and then don't even bother to use that throughout the rest of the game like don't even refer to the character by pronouns but you just ask the player what their pronouns are at the start and you'll immediately piss off the kind of people that you don't want in the first place and then they won't come and join your game's community and that's the best way to maintain a game community so a little tip for you aspiring game devs out there Um, a high guts skill lessens the time a mech warrior needs in the med bay and lowers the chance that mortal injuries are fatal. That's cool. Loading bar is almost complete. There we go. I can. This is a cutscene, I guess. A harebrained schemes production. They did the uh, the recent Hi, Shadowrun games. Oh, Serana. sorry. High Lady of the Oregon Reach, protector of Coromadir and the Sword of Restoration. Some sort of noble lady. I am not a hero, no matter what the stories say. Yeah, we see like queen on a throne. A hero would have sacrificed more, compromised less. 
a hero would have done better. You know this, of course. You were there. My father used to tell me stories about the ancient times. I see. About the Star League, a golden age of prosperity, okay. upheld by the great mech warriors of old, guardians of the innocent, protectors of the peace. I always dreamed of following in their footsteps. And here we see a map spreading out across the galaxy. After all, it wasn't heroism or a noble cause that won me the throne. It was hiring a mercenary, skilled enough, perhaps ruthless enough, to carry the day. Hiring you. Oh! know if you fought for honor or for the thrill of it for belief in my cause or just in my money we've already won whether it was your noble heart or mercenary mind your actions gave us hope that makes you a hero in the eyes of history whether you believe it that's up to you Battletech Restoration is what it says. So, as I implied a little bit, I have played the Battletech tabletop game before, and I, like, I had one or two books, some friends of mine had one or two books, and so I kind of have the slightest inklings of the surrounding lore, but I don't really know anything. So the Star League was some sort of interplanetary empire or something that used to exist. And then in sort of the quote unquote modern era of Battletech, the Star League has collapsed and mech technology is harder to come by and stuff or something, I think. Um, it looks like the speaker was the daughter or several steps removed of some sort of emperor of the star league and we have already won the campaign so congratulations good good work everyone we already won but uh since we've only been here 10 minutes let's i guess i'm supposing that we're going to take a minute to sort of step back in time and see how it is that we did win this says welcome to the Arugan Reach. The Arugan Reach is a small kingdom in the Rimward Periphery, a region of space that lies at the outskirts of the more densely colonized Inner Sphere. It is home to the Arugian Coalition, a federation organized around a paramilitary monarchy and ruled by the Arano family. Friends, I'm not... I'm an anti-monarchist, and I'm upset that I'm helping a monarchy in this game, but... For the sake of gameplay, I'm willing to go with it. But if there's like a chance to kill a monarch or something, I'm sorry, but I'll have to take it, even if it ends the campaign early. For three generations under the rule of House Arano, the Arugian Coalition has remained a relatively peaceful corner of the periphery. It is here your story begins. Click next. Whoa! Decades ago, your family came to the Reach from, and then here we have all sorts of options. So this is some sort of, uh, these are places? 
The Draconis Combine. The Free World's League. Okay, the Draconis Combine, and then on the left side, it's got this list of places. And on the right, it's got, like, two paragraphs of description about each place, and it shows their emblem and stuff. Uh, the Draconis Combine is a red dragon. The Free World's League is a purple eagle. The Ferrated Suns is a sword, a vertical sword with a sun behind it. The Light, the Lyran Commonwealth is a blue fist, like a metal glove fist, like a like a power armor fist or a mech fist, I guess. Uh, the Capellan Confederation is like a the uh, the end of a human arm, like sort of below the elbow, out to the hand, and it's it's holding a katana, and it's in front of a green downward pointing triangle. The Magistry. Magistraki of Canopus, which is like a bunch of shining, shining little bits over top of circles, which my brain wants to interpret as like nuclear explosions, a bunch, a bunch, uh, over a bunch of like planets and moons as viewed from orbit, maybe. Um, the Taurian Concordat which is like a minotaur's head or like a bull type thing. It's got like a like a, a cow's uh, piercing over the the nose. And there's uh, horns. Actually, there's two sets of horns. There's a, like a little set of horns on top that go up just a little bit. And then there's a huge set of horns that go down around forming a circle. And encircled by the horns, there's three stars. The Rimward Periphery is sort of a default, I want to say. It's like, so there's like a a tall line with sort of a little cross, kind of like a plus, but it's like taller than it is wide. And then there's like some leafy bits coming up the sides and some little stars up above. It looks like the most default possible sci-fi emblem. Like this is some shit you'd see in like, like, you go to page three of what you can set your player emblem to in Halo, and you find this. Or, like, this is one of the emblems you get, like, in the 20th patch of Stellaris, and they've run out of ideas for, for Empire emblems, they put this thing in there. And then, the Deep Periphery, which... I like. There's a star in the upper right... Like a tiny star, it's very small, so it feels distant. And then much bigger in the foreground is um, a circle with kind of a moon on the upper left. Like I, I'm, I'm taking the circle to be a planet because of the star. And then there's a, a blob in the upper left that's like a moon. And then there's lines going from the top right past the edge of the planet to the bottom left, so it looks like they're sort of sweeping across. Um, and the planet, the lines, and the moon are all uh, perfectly crisp, like clip art crisp. And then the sun is sort of a softer, like, plus star thingy up in the corner. I really like this logo. Um, let's see... Decades ago, your family came to the Reach from... Well, as far as I can tell, 
there's like there's like story bits about all these different sections. And I've heard of some of these. Like Draconis Combine. My brain is like, oh Draconis Combine, of course. And the Ferated Sons. I've heard of those. Free Worlds League. Lyrian Commonwealth. I, I kind of recognize the logo, but I don't remember the name. And the Capellan Confederation. Again, I recognize the logo, but not the name. The first five there, those five, they have a name in parentheses, which is... Uh... Oh, okay. The name is like the house, the name of the house. So the Draconis Combine, it says in parentheses, Kurita. And I guess House Kurita is in charge of the Draconis Combine. And then the Magistry, the Concordat, the Periphery, and the, the, Rimworld per the Rimward Periphery and the Deep Periphery have no one in house that's in charge. Uh, I have no idea. It's There's not any like stat changes that it's gonna, it, it's not like plus two to pilot accuracy or whatever. Uh, so I'm gonna pick Deep Periphery. It says mech warriors that hail from the Deep Periphery are rare, but even rarer is the mech warrior who will admit to such an origin. And I like that. Beyond the outermost edges of the periphery lie depths of space that remain uncharted and unknown to most of human civilization. Little is known about these regions, but they are far from uninhabited. The deep periphery is littered with abandoned colonies and small outposts, isolated from the rest of humanity. After the fall of the Star League, General Alexander Kerensky led the remnants of the Star League Defense Force into the deep periphery, disappearing from the inner sphere and from recorded history. I like that. I'm from the deep periphery. It says you are of noble birth. I don't have, I don't appear to have an option here. You are of noble birth. Uh, Though immigrants to the Arugian Reach, your family soon established a comfortable presence in a small backwater system on the edge of the Arugian space. By the time you were born, your family had become the de facto ruling nobility of the system's only inhabited planet. You were the oldest child, heir to the family's titles, and ancestral battle mech, an old blackjack BJ-1. BJ-1? Now here is where it gets interesting, folks. The family's titles and ancestral battle mech. So we're already... This isn't like Gundam, where there's a Frickzillion Gundams. This is like. This is a. The battle mechs are rare enough that you inherit them like you inherit a castle. But I don't know. See, that's the thing. So, battle mechs are supposed to be rare and valuable, and then the entire game is focused around having battle mechs shoot each other and destroy each other. So, you'd think that after even like a few years of that, then you would run out of battle mechs or something. I don't know. That part never made sense to me. Maybe we'll find out. Uh, you were the oldest child, heir to the family's titles, and ancestral battle mech, an old blackjack BJ-1. This is where you met Raju Mastiff Montgomery. Mastiff is in double quotes, like a nickname. A veteran of the Succession Wars, whom your parents hired on for a season to train you as a mech warrior. 
Raju was a strict but capable teacher, and you could quickly become a skilled pilot, and you quickly became a skilled pilot under his tutelage. It was an uneventful life. Oh, I'm just heir to a planet with an ancestral battle mech. An uneventful life. Okay, so Arugi and Reach. Uh, some of these words have been in orange, and it turns out that when you mouse over them, um, then it has a tooltip where we can learn more. Let's go back. Uh, so we can go to the Arugi and Reach. Um, the, let's check. The Rimward Periphery is a region of space bordering us surrounding the inner sphere. The area directly opposite of the Lactic Core is known as the Rimward Periphery. So we're on the outside. The Rimward Periphery is home to the major states, home to major states, such as the Magist... Okay, we heard about those. The inner sphere is the region of space within about 500 light years of Terra. The area is divided between the five successor states to the former Star League. This region is the heart of human civilization and culture. Beyond the inner sphere is the periphery. Okay. The Arugian Coalition is an interstellar state in the Arugian Reach area of the Rimworld periphery, bordering both Capellan and Torin space. Growing out of a trade partnership in the mid-29th century, the Arugian Coalition was formally established in 2910 by High Lady... Keona Arano. Oh, we heard her voice. In the past hundred years, the coalition has grown from four systems to a total of 23. That sounds like a big number. House Arano. Foresight and vision. It says that in all caps. The hereditary rulers of the Arugian coalition, currently led by Lady Kamea Arano. The Arano House Sigil is a great Cormorant is a great cormorant on a field of red. The ancestral seat of House Arano is Coromodir VI. From the early days of the Rimward Trade Partnership and the founding of the Arugian Coalition in 2910, through the current day, House Arano has led the systems of the Arugian Reach. So we're probably going to work for them. Alright, so we go to the next page where it said Deep Periphery. And if we hover over the deep periphery, it says the area of space just outside the inner sphere and the periphery is known as the deep periphery. The exact borders of this region are vaguely defined. Though not as thoroughly colonized as the periphery, the deep periphery is home to a number of interstellar states such as the Hanseatic League and the Chainaline Isles. Okay. Periphery. Uh is any place bordering the inner sphere. The Rimward Periphery is opposite the Galactic Core. We heard about that. Ooh, Star League. From 2570 to 2780, the Star League was an interstellar council formed from the Terran hegemony, the five great houses of the inner sphere, and the territorial states of the periphery. The stability and prosperity of the Star League led to the flourishing of civilization and technology. The Star League ended in civil war when the leader of the Rimworld's Republic, Stefan Amaris, murdered the First Lord in a bid to usurp his position. Alright, so Republic's fall. General, okay, Alexander Kerensky. Born 2700, disappeared 2784. Well, he was an old man. 
As regent and protector of the Star League and commanding general of the Star League Defense Force, Kerensky was the highest ranking military officer of the Inner Sphere. Following his successful conclusion of the Amorous Civil War, Kerensky withdrew from the Inner Sphere with 80% of the SLDF's personnel and assets, never to be seen again. This action left the Inner Sphere defenseless and precipitated the First Succession War. Okay, so maybe that wasn't the best choice. The Star League Defense Force, SLDF, was the largest military force in human history, with over 100 million soldiers serving in 486 divisions at its peak. The SLDF suffered horrific losses opposing Stefan Amaris in the Amaris Civil War. Okay. We learned about... Let's see, this is the one where we're about noble birth. We learned about Agurin Reach... Ah, Battle Mech. What does it say? Commonly abbreviated as Mech. Battle mechs are enormous armored fighting vehicles, often humanoid in design, that can weigh up to 100 tons. They're considered the most powerful and deadly surface units a military force can field. Battle mechs are classified as light, 20 to 35, medium, 40 to 50, heavy, 60 to 75, and assault, 80 plus. Uh, all those are in tons, so an assault mech is 80 plus tons. Because of their incredible power requirements, many mechs generate ferocious amounts of waste heats, making mech cockpits swelteringly hot and sometimes threatening to cause a complete system shutdown. Yeah, that was a big mechanic in the tabletop version. You could overheat your mech really easy. And I remember in Mech Warrior 2, uh, you could also overheat your mech really easy. So now here we have Blackjack. The Blackjack BJ-1 is equipped with both long and close-up range and engagements. A pair of AC-2s is backed up by four medium lasers, lending the mech a powerful alpha strike, while jump jets enable the Blackjack to move to a high ground at a moment's notice. Yeah! Medium lasers and high ground with a, a pair of AC... Well, AC-2s aren't very powerful, but I think they're pretty long range, so that's nice. Uh, Raiju Mastiff Montgomery, a battle-scarred warrior with nearly 40 years of combat experience. In addition to mercenary work, Mastiff has served as master-at-arms for a number of noble houses, training their scions in the art of war. The ladies... Kamea Arano and Victoria Espinoza have both benefited from his training. Oh! Okay, so this Kamea Arano lady who was talking and who presumably we're going to work for I guess knows how to pilot a battle mech? I mean, she probably doesn't do it a lot but she knows a little bit of it. The Succession Wars were a series of wide-ranging conflicts between the successor states of the Inner Sphere that lasted from 2786 to the current year of 3025. Wow. Okay, so this is set in 3025. I remember that year. Um, I think the default game was set in 3050. And then, like, as as editions and updates came out, they would advance the calendar. And then, like, in 3070, the clans returned or something like that. So 3025 is pretty early on the timeline. During these wars, the Great Houses mobilized vast numbers of battle mechs to destroy each other and claim territory with the ultimate goal of ruling the Inner Sphere. A notable consequence of these conflicts was the significant loss of advanced technology from the prior Star League era. Okay, so we're living in a fallen world, and it is a, uh, a post-Rome Europe, if you will. I've always loved the idea of a post-Rome Europe. The idea that you could that you could live in a time where there are buildings that are of better quality than anyone you 
or anyone else knows how to build, they're crumbling ruins and they're still better quality than what you or anyone else you've ever heard of can build. That's wild. Um, mech warrior. Someone who pilots a battle mech is called a mech warrior. They typically serve in the armies of the successor states or in mercenary units. During the succession wars, many mech warriors owned their own mechs and passed them down through the generations as family heirlooms. But that doesn't make any sense. On a battlefield, if there's 10 mechs on each side, presumably you're losing like like a like 10 mechs are going to explode and go away and never be covered. So how can you have these heirlooms if every battle has mechs destroyed? That's like having a tank as an heirloom. I have no idea what the life expectancy was of was of a particular of a particular tank in World War II, but I bet it wasn't long. Or a particular plane in World War II, or whatever, a particular bomber. All vehicles, war is hell, and all vehicles are destroyed. Probably. We're still picking my background. Uh, maybe I should pontificate less. We're still picking my background until the day after your 16th birthday when you were exiled. Now here we're getting some options. You were exiled. Once the promising young scion of your family, you committed an unforgivable transgression and were sentenced to the life in exile. You stole away on the family's ancestral blackjack and set it off to find a new life to call your own. Stole away with, oh, with the family's ancestral blackjack. Okay, so we stole the mech. And we have plus one gunnery. Determines the chance to hit with ranged weapons, high skills, and effective counter to evasion environmental effects. And plus one to tactics. Tactics increase the effectiveness of called shot opportunities. It also reduces the penalty for indirect fire and imposes, improves the minimum range of weaponry. Okay. Until the day when you struck out on your own. As the heir to a noble family, you grew up wanting for nothing. As it turns out, you couldn't stand the life of a pantered nobility. Finally, one night you stole away with the family's ancestral blackjack and set out on a new life to find your own. So this is plus one piloting. Piloting increases melee hit chance and base sprint distance. It also improves the threshold of stability that triggers unsteady. Uh, I remember that piloting is definitely an important skill in the in the tabletop game. And this plus one piloting, plus one tactics. Uh, the family went bankrupt. As you grew older, you watched your family's fortune, income, and influence slowly dwindle away until there was nothing left. Your parents, driven to despair, took their own lives. Plus one tactics and plus one guts. It says guts improves the maximum health of mech warriors. It also reduces the penalty from weapon recoil and increases the threshold of heat that triggers overheated. Hmm. I want piloting and guts. Let's see if we find... Oh my gosh, that's the very next one. Your family died in an accident. The rest of your family died in a freak jump ship accident, after which you discovered they had left nothing behind but piles of debt. After selling everything to settle the debt, you set off on your own with your only your family's ancestral blackjack left to your name. This is plus one piloting, plus one guts. I think we're going to pick that. Or your family was betrayed. Your family was betrayed and its seat of power destroyed. You defeated the betrayers, but you were the sole, sur sole surviving member of your house. With nothing but your family's ancestral blackjack left to call your own, you set up plus one gunnery and plus one guts. Ah! Oh! I wanted the piloting and guts, but who can resist the betrayal plotline? I'm gonna pick your family was betrayed. On my 16th birthday, as an anime mech pilot in high school, my family was betrayed, 
and I was the sole survivor after getting my revenge. Oh, that's perfect. Out on your own, you fell into the life of a... Uh, let's see. So we can get plus one gunnery, plus one guts, plus one gunnery, plus one tactics, plus one tactics, and plus one piloting. Hmm. We can get... We could double up on gunnery or guts. But there's only one option that gives us a bonus to piloting. And I kind of wanted the bonus to piloting, so we'll pick that. The option is Merchant Guard. You signed on as a guard for a small trading guild, providing security as the guard, as the guild's caravan made trading runs between the inner sphere and the periphery. It was a largely uneventful life, but you were able to put your mech warrior skills to good use in the occasional scuffle with pirates and uncooperative local governments. Yeah! I like that. Yeah, we can get piloting guts and... Oh, tactics. I don't... Tactics doesn't sound cool. Piloting Guts Gunnery, each plus one, sounds fine. Until years later, you crossed paths with Raju Mastiff Montgomery once again. While escorting a supply caravan to a small outpost on the outskirts of the Arugan Reach, you were set upon by pirates and left for dead. Raju happened to be visiting the capital city and picked up your distress call. Upon rescuing you, he offered you a job in the House Arano Royal Guard. So it is that you find yourself reunited with your old mentor, preparing your ancestral blackjack for guard duty on the coronation day of the Lady Kamena Arano. Oh boy, Mech Warrior call sign, random. Uh, so this is like a nickname. Rat Party. There's a whole bunch of randoms, and the one that I stopped on is Rat Party, which is really good, but we're going to go with Locathor. First name. Uh, pronoun she, they, he, she, they. Oh, I like this. So if you have he, it filters to the masculine portraits. If you put she, it filters to the feminine portraits. And if you put they, it just lists every single portrait. So I'm going to put uh, they... First name, uh, Connor. Last name, uh, Barton. Yeah, Connor Barton. Call sign Locathor. Connor Barton is a... Is this guy with a really big beard, and I kind of want to pick the beard and the frohawk. The guy next to him is, uh, he's black. I, at, th at this point, it's far enough in the future that I don't think that he's an African-American anymore. I think, he, I think you'd just call him black, because he's certainly not meaningfully from Africa compared to any white person. It's, it's the year 3000. Um, but he has, he has a moderate amount of beard. And sort of like the mustache that connects down into the beard, you know. And then it only goes a little bit back. Most of his jaw is clean shaven. Um, his hair is uh, cropped short. It's not like like military shaved. It's it's kind of there's there's a little bit of like a like a half inch of bushiness up there. Um, I can click customize, but I'm not gonna. We can just be one of the default portraits. Locathor, Connor Barton, they. 
All right, to review, your character background, deep periphery, family was betrayed, merchant guard. So we have gunnery three, piloting three, tactics two, guts three. Uh, so we're gonna confirm all this. The High Lord Tamati Arano II is dead. The Arugan Reach is left at an uncertain crossroads. Once prosperous, it is now a kingdom in decline, surrounded by powerful neighbors. Lord Santiago Espinoza, brother-in-law to the late High Lord, is convinced that the slow-moving Council of Founding Houses must be dissolved. His proposed directive would conscript their house guard and centralize power under a single throne. However, the High Lord's heir, the noble Lady Kamen Areno, is determined to rebuild the Reach without transforming it into an authoritarian state. She refuses to enact her uncle's directive and has rebuked his vehement pleas to reconsider. Alright, we're anti-authoritarians. I can get with that. On the morning of a Lady Arano's ascension to the throne, her loyal captain of the guard, Raju Mastiff Montgomery, makes preparations to escort her safely to the coronation procession that awaits in Corodia City. Cordia City. Sorry. Alright, we're anti-authoritarians, and I can be down with that. Coronation Day, Arano Summer Palace, uh, 0853 local time. If you reserve a light mech until a final, you can speed up to any move or attack animation by pressing the spacebar. There was one tooltip about reserving a mech that I missed. Um, I don't. I didn't like that it automatically switched to the next, um, to the next tooltip or to the next uh, hint on its own. I like how Breath of the Wild does it. It shows a hint, and you can push A for another hint if you want. Or you can not push A. And the loading screen goes at whatever speeds it goes, but cycling between hints happens, happens on your terms. I like that. It says prepping for combat in the bottom. These, these loading screens, friends. It probably doesn't help that I set it to ultra quality so it has to pull out the 4K textures or whatever the heck it does. Uh, facing matters. Keep your least damage location facing... Oh, okay. Begin mission. Command interface initiated. So this is a top-down view of a foresty, canyony area. Use the right mouse button or Q and E to rotate the camera. Okay. Raju. Okay, Logothor. I had the Espinosa refit yards. Yeah, he's looking pretty grizzled. We're gonna go with a grizzled voice. Okay, Logothor, I had the Espinosa refit yards. Rush the repairs on your blackjack. Looks like it's all in one piece, but we should run some diagnostics on it, just to be sure. Standard field test, you know the drill. More importantly, though, I want to tell you more about the job I brought you out here to do. Now do me a favor and get that battle mech moving. Let's see if there's any kinks in the actuators. Mission start, your turn. Alright, so I'm... Move your mech to the marked location. Click on the mech warrior portrait or press tab to cycle between you. So click. I'll come right out and say it, kid. I wasn't completely honest with you the other day. This is massive. There's going to be more to this job than escort duty. Okay. Um, so it wants me to move to a particular hex 
and then I'm gonna pick a facing when I when I stop my movement. I guess like that. And then it it walks. There we go. I brought you here because there's something wrong in the capital. It's been too quiet since High Lord Tamati's funeral, and I'm worried about Lady Kamena's safety during her coronation procession. Anyway, looks like you're actually here to check out. Let's conduct a weapons test. Target one of those burnt-out old urban mechs and open fire. This is what I'm talking about, people! How can there be ancestral mechs? And also, I'm just blowing up mechs all I want! Like I was saying, I can't prove anything. But my gut tells me something's off. And a warrior trusts their instincts. Alright, so... I click on an urban mech, and then it's showing me all the regions. And... I, it looks like I could click on a region to like do a called shot or something, but I'm just gonna hit fire for a general shot. Whoa! Whoa, that shot all my lasers and everything. Good shot, your guns are in working order at least. I meant to shoot like one laser, but whatever, whatever. I've been training Lady Arano since she was 14 years old. She can be naive at times and proud, but I have no doubt she'll be a just and effective ruler. It's on us to see her safely to Cordia City. I'll rest easier once she's in the capital, with her cousin Victoria by her side. Lady Victoria, well, she's only been training under me for a single season. She's already shaped herself into one of the strongest mech warriors I've ever seen. Reminds me a lot of you, truth be told. Anyway, we should run a check on your targeting computer. You see that drone over there? The one moving through the tree line? Put some hurt on it for me, and then when it turns, take it out with a rear angle shot. After it's down, we'll keep moving. Kamea's like a daughter to me. And her late father, High Lord Damati, was a good friend. It's baffling why they made this choice to have these unvoiced tutorial commands and then voiced, like, narration between the commands. Like, voice all of it or don't voice any? I don't know. Alright, so we're clicking the unit. We're clicking the target. And, uh... Okay, so so there's a bunch of checkboxes. I can I can deselect weapons that I don't want to fire. We're gonna fire all the lasers, but we're, we're gonna save the ammo. How about that? Fire! Oh, we hit it a little bit, but it's got some damage reduction from cover. And so it moves away as predicted. So we're gonna click our unit, click the t tank. And then, yeah, it keeps our weapon settings from last turn. So we're going to fire again. Vehicle destroyed. Enemy unit destroyed. Nice shot. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Arugan politics, but the Reach was badly shaken by High Lord Tamati's death. It needs a smooth transfer of power. And Kamea belongs to the Coromorant throne. Go ahead and fire up your jump jets, kid. I want to see you descend this cliff face. Aim for that patch of ground there, near the edge of the lake. Victoria pulls no punches, but she's been a loyal companion to Kamea since they were kids. Aside from you, there's no one I'd rather have by my side in a fight. Alright. So we're clicking on our unit. And then... Oh, I see. Along the bottom, there's a jump button. 
Execute a jumping move, gaining evasive charges based on distance, plus two difficulty to hit this unit with range attacks per evasive charge. You may also use jump to initiate a death from above attack on nearby enemies. Um, Alright, so let's jump and land there. Yeah, I was afraid of that. Jump jets build a lot of heat, and that was more than your engine could handle. Head on into that water. We need to get you cooled off. Uh, oh yeah, my heat meter is... It's pretty bad. It's at like 99%. So let's move... We're going to move into the water as requested, and that will improve our heat sink. Warning. Plasma leak detected. Jump jet malfunction. Jump jet systems damaged. System inoperable until repaired. Oh, for the love of the gods. This is what I get for insisting on a rush job. Not that I had much of a choice. The Espinosa refit yards are backlogged like you wouldn't believe. It looked like they were trying to process every single Royal Guard mech in time for the coronation. There isn't any time to get your jets replaced, so we're going to have to make do without them. Go ahead and take that mech down with a melee attack. I want to be sure nothing else is going to break down in your blackjack before we take it out on the Cormorant Road. Alright, so my heat has gone way down because I spent a turn in the water. And now I'm supposed to melee attack. Click the melee targeting on an enemy. So we're going to... Uh... Where is the, the melee... Oh, oh, I just directly click on it and then click attack. And then and then the move and melee attack is like one thing. Um, okay. And he walks up. And uh, my mech basically doesn't have arms. It has like arm locations, but the arms are like weapon pods way up high. And so when it did a melee attack, it just did like a headbutt into the enemy instead of doing like a punch. Which I think is completely hilarious. Good hit. At least that's solid. Alright, one last test. I want you to take your blackjack up to a sprint and evade my attack. Push that engine, kid. If something goes wrong today, I want to know that your mech can maneuver. Alright, so I'm going to click on my unit and I'm going to sprint. And so now that we've moved enough, it gives us an evasive charge. And then they shot at us, which gives us minus one evasion. So that sounds about how I remember it. Congratulations, Logothor. Your blackjack's as combat ready as it can be, given the circumstances. For what it's worth, I hope that my suspicions turn out to be unfounded, and we end the day having a good laugh about what a paranoid old man I've become. But if not, then I know you'll be ready. All right, it's time to move out. Lady Arano is waiting for us at the mech bay. An impressive display, Sir Raju. Of course, this mech warrior was a student of yours. I'd expect them to know their way around a cockpit. Uh, I don't know. I guess that lady was Victoria? Return to Mastiff. And then one more move command and we can get inside the return zone. Locathor, allow me to introduce 
Kamea Arano, the soon-to-be high lady of the Arugian Coalition. Is Lady Victoria on this channel? Okay, so that was, uh, Arano. Victoria Espinoza. For the time being, my father has summoned me to the Picton Docks. I have a fleet inspection and a tour of the family refit yards to preside over before the coronation. Behold the responsibilities of a noble daughter. A font of tedium that never runs dry. Uh, Arano. I know the feeling, cousin. By this time tomorrow, I'll be responsible for the entire reach. Give my best to your father, and don't be late for the tourney. The gambling dens are already taking bets on how long I'll be, it'll take me to cripple that customized monstrosity you pilot. Ha ha ha! Bold words, cousin. But the only victory they'll be celebrating is mine. You may be ascending to the throne today, but my Kaga is more than a match for the family heirloom that you call a battle mech. And in the arena, I reign supreme. <laughs> we'll see, cousin, we'll see. At any rate, I will teach you at the tourney grounds. So, Raju, I'm ready to go when you are. Overland along the Cormant Road, as is the Areno tradition. Aye, Kamea. We'll get you there in one piece. Lokathor, fall in behind me. And remember what I told you. Mission successful. Okay. So, uh... That was a classic tutorial... Okay, it's Esperanto time. We're going to, we're gonna learn names. First, we're gonna read the tips. Possessive pronouns. Possessive personal pronouns, also known as possessive adjectives. Hold on, yeah, here we go. Are words like my and your in English, unlike in English, these words are completely regular in Esperanto. Just add A to the end of a pronoun to turn it into its possessive form. I becomes my, me becomes mia. You becomes your, V becomes via. He becomes his, and Lee becomes Leah. She, her, she, shia. It, its, G, gia. We, our, ni, nia. They, their, Ili, Ilia. Like other words ending in the A, ending in A, the possessives also take the J plural and N accusative when required. Yen miai gepatroi. Here are my parents. Viai ursoi trinkas mian bieron. Mian bieron. Your beers, your bears are drinking my beer. De. If you want to express that something belongs to someone, the key word is day. It corresponds to the English word of, but it is also used when English would put a tss on the end of a word instead, an apostrophe s. Yen mapo de la universitaro. Here is a map of the university. Vi trincas la bieron de mia patro. You are drinking my father's beer, the beer of my father. Li estas la avo de Sofia. He is Sofia's grandfather, the grandfather of Sofia. Kio, tio. Kio, what or what thing. Tio, that or that thing. Kio and tio never take the ending j, plural, but do take the ending n, accusative, if they refer to a direct object. Kio estas tio? What is that? Kion vi manjas? What are you eating? Ni manjas tion. We are eating that. Names and addresses. 
The following two ways, with Kyo or Kiyu, of asking for someone's name or address are equally correct. Kyo estas via nomo or adreso? What is your name or address? Kyu estas via nomo adreso? What is your name address? So you see the first one we have Kyo estas via, and the second one we have Kiyu estas via. Um, amiko amikino. Traditionally, amiko was used only for a male friend and amikino for a female friend, and this usage is still common, so we are teaching it here. Recent, recently, however, many Esperanto speakers use the same form amiko for a male or female friend. Also note that amiko and amikino are not equivalent to the English boyfriend and girlfriend. To describe a romantic relationship, we use the terms cor amiko and cor amikino, uh, heart friend. Cor is, is heart. Um... Let's have a little a little drink of mango juice. <clears throat> Which of these is teacher? Instruisto. Instruisto. <clears throat> Miai gepatroi lojas en Australio. Write this in English. Miai gepatroi lojas in Australio. So, my parents live in Australia. Shiai gepatroi lojas en Usono. Shiai gepatroi lojas in Usono. So that's her parents live in the United States. Mi estas via patro. Mi estas via patro. I am your father. Chu vi iras al lia domo? Chu vi iras al lia domo? So uh, that would be, do you go to his house? Uh, or actually, I guess, are you going to his house? Yeah, are you going to his house is listed as another correct solution. Sort of either way. Chu she estas en viajemo? Chu she estas en viajemo. Hemo is new. Hemo uh, is uh, home. Hemo. Hemo. So in the in the same way that we have uh, house and home in English, and they're a little bit different, because um, your home could be something other than a house. Uh, if you're some sort of Yoda-like swamp creature. Maybe your home is a mud blob. Uh, if you're a wizard, maybe your home is at the top of a tower. Uh, and so forth. <clears throat> so, hemo is home. Chu she estas en viajemo. So that would be, uh, is she in your house? Is she in your house? Oh! Wow. Wow, I can't believe I just made the mistake that I just explained. Hemo. Hemo is home, so I should have said, is she in your home? Shia nomo estas Sofia. Uh, Shia nomo. Nomo is name. So this is her name is Sofia. I am his father. It would be mi estas leopatro. Miai instruistoi estas trebonai. Mia instruistoi estas pre 
Bolnai. My teachers are very good. In Strui stole his teacher. We Chushi estas en via hemo. Chushi estas en via hemo. So that'd be, is she in your home? Hemo's home. Right? Right? Oh, there we go. Awesome. All right. Do, do, do. Next lesson. Map. Mapo. Mapo. La nomo de la bella virino estas Sofia. La nomo de la bella virino estas Sofia. The name of the pretty woman is Sofia. Sofia kai Adamo laboras en la universitato. 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 Don't, don't lose any of the syllables in there. You'll get it spelled wrong. Sophia and Adam work in the university. And Adam work in the uh, university. Chu shia adreso estas en Australio? Chu shia adreso? Adreso is like um, address. The biggest difference between address in English and adresso in um, Esperanto is that there's, uh, we mentioned this before, there's no double consonant. So it's A-D-R-E-S-O, no, no double consonant. Um, so Chushi adresso is her address in Australia. Is her address in Australia? Chushia adreso estas in Australia? La viro en la cafeo estas nia instruisto. La viro en la cafeo estas nia instruisto. So the man in the cafe is your, no, our, is our instructor, teacher? I'm going to write teacher. Chu shia adreso estas en Australio? Chu shia adreso en Australio? Let's let's play it again. Chu shia adreso estas en Australio? Yep, that's it. That's all the words. It's not other words. I didn't write estas. Oh my gosh. I'm a dummy. Dio estas via nomo. What is your name? What is your name? Iliai gepatroi venas el usono. So it'd be their parents. Their parents. Uh, venas el usono is come from the United States. Come from me. Londono estas bella. London is beautiful. P-E-A-U-T-I. Sometimes I have hardest time spelling English in the Esperanto. Chu shia adreso estas en Australio? Chu shia adreso estas en Australio. A question mark. All right, all right, all right. Um, 
last lesson for names, grandmother, Avino. Because we learned that Avo is grandfather. So Avino, Avin with a with a feminizing form, grandmother. Grandfather Avo. Avo. Ili estas bonai amikoi. They are good friends. Ilia patrino estas mia amikino. Ilia patrino estas mia amikino. Their uh, mother is my friend. Now, in this case, amikino and amiko mean different things in Esperanto, like they're different words. But when we translate them back to English, the English word friend doesn't have a gender associated with it normally. So both amikino and amiko would be translated to English as friend. Uh, Ili estas bonai amikoi. Ili estas bonai amikoi. Ili estas bonai amikoi. Amikoi. Tio estas ilia mapo. Uh, tio estas ilia mapo. That is a there. That is their map. Yep. Tio estas gia hemo. Tio estas gia hemo. That is its home. So like a like a doghouse or a or a shell of a snail or something. Okay, so we have a hard exercise, right? This is in Esperanto. Her grandmother, so Shia Avino, and my grandfather, Kai Mia Avo, are friends. Estas Amikoi. What? I got it wrong. Shia vino kaimia av. Oh, oh, I, it says her grandmother and my grandmother. I read grandfather, and so I wrote the wrong word. Okay. Uh, Sophia is my friend. Uh, Sophia estas mia amigo. So here we have the, the same hard lesson from before. Her grandmother and my grandmother are friends. She avino, kaimia avino, estas amikoi. There we go. Um, all right, we got level one in names. Let's uh, practice. Hmm. Practice uh, a lesson, a crown in the home. Uh, so we'll start in home. He sees her and goes to her. Uh, li vidas shin kai iras al shi. So notice, li vidas shin, the, uh, there's an accusative N on she. And kai iras al shi. So because she is after an al, al is a preposition, it, uh, it causes us to not use the accusative N there. If it was al-shin, then that would mean a different thing. That would be legal, but it would have like a different meaning. We'll, we'll get to that. She amas lin kai min. She loves him and me. She loves him and me. Do you love her or me? 
Ĉu vi amas ŝia aŭ mi? Oh, why did I put ŝia? Ĉu vi amas ŝi aŭ mi? Uh, oh, wait. There are the, these... We gotta put some accusative ends in here. Ĉu vi amas ŝin aŭ min? There we go. Ĉu vi amas ŝin aŭ min? She kisses Lin. She kisses him. The woman kisses you. La virino kisas vin. Ĉu vi vidas la kvar knabojn? La kvar knabojn? Let me hear it. Ĉu vi vidas la kvar knabojn? There we go. Ĉu vi vidas la kvar knabojn? Do you see the four boys? Ĉu uh, vi... Oh, this is the same sentence, but now it's written in English. Do you see the four boys? Ĉu vi vidas la kvar knabojn? Mi amas blank. So options are vi or she or vin. And because it comes directly after amas, and because we already have an object of the sentence, me, we need the subject of the sentence. So we know it's going to be vin. Uh, write this in Esperanto. The woman kisses us. La vierino kisas uh, nin. Nin for uh, us. Uh, let me, it's the last one, so we want to make sure we get it right. I did. All right. Awesome. Got our, got our points. Let's, uh, let's start our next one. The boy has water. La knabo havas akvon. Simple enough. La virinoj kisas la viron, ĉar li estas bela. So, la virinoj, the women, the women kiss the man because he is beautiful. The boy has water. La knabo havas akvo. No, oh, akvon. It's supposed to be akvon. I'm a fool. I'm a fool. La knabo havas akvon. Li vidas la virinon el Australio. Li vidas. Oh, write this in English. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Li vidas la virinon. Um, he sees the uh, woman. Vidas la virinon el Australio, the woman from Australia. He sees the woman from Australia. He drinks milk and she drinks water. So, li trinkas lacton, lacton, putting an N on there, lacton, kai she trinkas uh, ak. Von. La knaboy ne trinkas bieron. 
La knaboj ne trinkas bieron. The boys do not drink beer. Good for you, boys. I am kissing the man. Mi kisas la vido. What a, what a strange sentence. I guess maybe you're describing a dream as you have it. Oh, la virinon. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to remember an accusative end ever again for the rest of my life. I'm just going to forget all of them. La catoi trincas uh, lacton. I'm just going to forget my accusative ends forever. La knaboy ne, ne trincas bieron. When I'm focusing on it, I can remember. The boy has water. La knabo havas akvon. I am kissing the man. Uh, mi kisses la viron. Um... All right, that's that's two out of four. Ooh, got real beat up there. We're gonna keep going. Warm bread is very tasty. Varmapano estas trebon gusta. Mi amas ilin. I love them. Uh, mi amas ilin. Uh, I love them. The man is drinking a cold beer. La viro uh, trincas malvarman bieron. Malvarman bieron. Mi manjas bon gustan chocoladon. Uh, mi manjas bon guston chocoladon. I am eating. Uh, good or delicious? We'll say delicious. Delicious chocolate. Do you like them? Uh, so, chu vi chatas them? I guess ilin. Chu vi chatas ilin? Ni manjas kukon en la parko. Ni manjas kukon en la parko. Ni manjas kukon en la parko. Okay. Uh, the bread is good. La pano estas bona. The bread is good. La pano estas bona. Yep, there we go. La cafeo ne havas malvarman bieron. La cafeo ne havas uh, malvarman. La cafeo ne havas malvarman bieron. Malvarman bieron. Uh, write this in Esperanto. The woman has delicious chocolates. La virino havas bon gustan. Uh, Chocoladon. Uh, we got one more. I know this is uh, unfortunate 
that we had to do a fourth practice, but... Uh, yes, an apple. Yes, pomo. Mi shatas belain cafeoin. Mi shatas belain cafeoin. I like... Uh, belain would be, like, pretty or beautiful. Cafeoin... Uh, we'd say, we wouldn't say beautiful cafes. We'd say pretty cafes, maybe? We'll say pretty. I like pretty cafes. Um, do you read many newspapers? Chu vi legas, legas for read. Multa, uh, multan, multain. Chu vi legas multain journalon. Uh, Do you read many newspapers? Ili vidas multain homoin en la cafeo. Ili vidas multain homoin en la cafeo. Uh, they see many people in the cafe. Social distancing, friends. The boys read a letter. La knaboy... Legas leteron. Bebo ne havas monon. Bebo ne havas monon. Uh, a baby doesn't have money. Makes sense. Uh, yes, an apple is yes. Oh my gosh. I will never type another word again. Yes, an apple. Yes, pomo. La knaboy legas leteron. This is one of the sentence we did, sentences we did earlier. La knaboy legas leteron. Uh, the boys read a letter. Are you reading a book or a newspaper? Chu uh, legas... Uh, Libron, Libron au journalon? Chubi legas Libron au journalon. Perfect. Continue. Level two in the home skill. All right, friends, uh, that's it for this Esperanto session. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, I hope.